1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
0: The season that will just never end continues to get worse for the Philadelphia Flyers. How has it gotten worse? Let's talk about it. We're back. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Backcheck podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 112 of Orange and Backcheck. So glad you are with us. Glad we are back in your ears for your pleasure trying to get through this miserable season. Make sure you have subscribed to our uh, Twitter pages, Instagram pages, all that good stuff. The, The link is in the bio. You can sit, get all our content right then and there. No questions asked. Uh, I mean, Scott, welcome back. It's glad, I'm glad to be back in some capacity, but <laughs> a lot has happened just in the last 25 uh, hours or so between yeah. the Philadelphia Flyers on the ice and, of course, off the ice, because that's just how this season goes. There's more focus, it seems, on off the ice issues, and this is a, this is a pretty big one. But what what uh, we're going to get into tonight, uh, today, and, you so, know, it
1: seems like you know Murphy's Law this season again, and yeah. what can go wrong will go wrong. And my God, you just think they're the, circling the toilet bowl, and all of a sudden you you plop another turd in there. It's it's just it's been that's the best analogy I can think of. To it's honestly a- gonna to,
0: th- it's honestly gonna change from Murphy's Law to the Flyers Law. Because, yeah, like, yeah. you're going to have to rename this thing because when we started this season with expectations of an Eastern Conference final appearance.
1: I did, yes. We, and we both was-
0: did. Like, I agreed with you. I, it took me a little bit to get there, but I agreed with you at the end of it. And someone, I, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Mil- Bill Mats of uh Flyers Nation. Or, or And do you remember this team beat, Carolina and Calgary in in, in a week, within a week of each other Yes, yes. early on in the season. Yes. And we were like, wow, that's a good litmus test of where this team can go. Yeah, And man, what we're going to get into today involves the trainers suing the team. Thanks to the, I mean, honestly, just thanks to the work of friend of the podcast, Anthony Sanfilippo, who just, I think he's getting a lot of criticism because of the reporting he's done in terms of being off more off the ice than on the ice but like again when when bad things happen bad things have to be reported when good things happen good things have to be reported correct and in sports the good stuff sadly fair or not I should say not sadly but fair or not only really happens in correlation of what's on the court or on the ice or the field or whatever the the sport is and when the sport on the playing field is poor then attention is turned to what is wrong with the organization. And and we'll just dive into it. I mean, according to Anthony Sanfilippo of Crossing Broad, trainers Jim McCrossin and Sal Rafa are suing the franchise for causing their cancers, their blood diseases slash cancers that are terminal, they're incurable, and they're only – Uh, I believe 62 and 42 respectively, 64, I think is, is Jim. And this is one of the, look, first and foremost, we hope and pray that there's a a miracle here that they Jim and Sal get the treatment that they rightfully deserve because we, anytime you hear someone get cancer, you want the best possible outcome. And, but when you, you read this story that they, are suing the club because of the, the conditions that were at the Flyers skate zone that you frequented. I mean, we're talking about Voorhees here. Yeah. It's not like, it, it's not like it's just a, a a, a, a random place that is like a, a rundown hockey facility. We're talking about the Flyers skate zone that hosted thousands upon thousands of open skate nights, open, open practices, open everything. Uh, and this dark secret, according to San Filippo about the training room being a, a a poison gas area, basically, because of how they designed and stored the Zambonis of all things. Like this is something that you don't think about until the worst of it happens. And it's truly, it's truly a mess that we have to one hear about it and it has to happen. And then two, it just takes over. A franchise, because when something like this happens, this ruins a franchise. This ruins a company. Oh, by, by whatever it may, whatever it may be. So, it, it's a damn shame that this is happening to guys like, like Jim McCrossen has been with the club I think since 2000, according to to Sam Filippo. Uh, Sal Rafa fr, from since 2004. So it's not, and they're still currently employed. Correct. It, it's very. It's a very awkward situation. There's nothing, there's no winning in this situation. Like, even if you win the lawsuit, you're talking about diseases that are incurable. And sadly, that's the reality of this.
1: It's concerning. I mean, it's absolutely concerning. You know, it's it's, it's strange to see something like this pop up. And especially with modern-day sports, in you know, modern-day buildings like that one, you'd think that that's something that would be overlooked if they were sharing a ventilation system with a Zamboni that can put out noxious fumes and stuff, I I don't understand why something would be caught sooner or something along those lines. You know, the Flyers come out and make a statement saying we found no merit with this. You know, they didn't file a 27-page report if they didn't think there was merit. The Flyers responding back by saying we feel there's no merit to this. Well, I understand from a legal standpoint that you're you know, not admitting fault or guilt. Yeah, or it's, it's, those lines. It,
0: it's corporate mumbo jumbo <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, like this, that's that's all It that statement is when it, it's not believable.
1: How uncomfortable do you think it is behind the scenes with, you know, like knowing that you got to go sue your employer for that and knowing yeah. that you're still employed with the team for now? Like, yeah. you know, chances are now what happens if. In the offseason, they decide to move on. There's some sort of other legal move in that favor. Right. Like, you know, it, it, this is a this is a messy situation the flyers find themselves in and they have to, you know, lawyer their way out of it.
0: I mean, think about the awkward conversations you have with your boss every day. Not every day, I should say, <laughs> but like the, the 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 discrepancies that you have at the micro level and the and the nonchalant and the not important ones that you like, hey, this should be addressed. We have this issue cropping up we should get ahead of it and figure it out and you do and you, or you don't and something bites you in the butt or whatever. And then when you expand it out to something as egregious and, and life changing and life impacting as something as cancer causing that sounded according to to reading that report by Anthony, it sounds and looks so preventable. Like the report that they just left the Zambonis running in the facility it sounds obnoxiously dumb and avoid easily preventable to just say, Hey, turn off the engine, get electric ones. They have a, le- right. we're in 2022. We yeah. don't need diesel or gas powered Zambonis anymore. How are we at this stage where we're admitting admissions in a facility in, in indoors, like yeah. of, of all things, the one, number one, it just, it, it's, it's mind-boggling to me that we've reached this point with the franchise. And honestly, look, I, we talked about on, on the scale of what's going on on the ice and uh, to, dr- to try and connect it to what's going on on the ice with this team. We talk about the, the lack of leadership on this club, and even we'll talk about later, <laughs> fresh fresh into the NHL, Uh, college star and and junior level star Noah Cates basically calling out the level of leadership in the flyers and how they're handling themselves by player wise. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you read these kind of reports, this is something that decimates a franchise. It's not just what's wrong with the leadership on the ice. We've talked about the lack of leadership from Dave sky and Valerie Camilla and all of these people, how they've just dismantled the flyers that we once knew and loved mm-hmm. and we just commemorated the 6 year anniversary of the passing of Ed Snyder and it's like at some point there's a breaking point of this entire thing and i think this is it where we just say burn it all to the ground there's no <laughs> point to this it's, and it's not just the t- it's not just the leadership in the front office but it's the players the coaches and not to say the trainers because of the situation but the staff it's a it's a complete clean house because this plan of aggressive retool is only workable and doable if you have the right leadership in place and it's clear they don't they don't have the clear the right leadership at the micro level where they can't even decide hey turn off the fucking Zambonis and they're they're trying. I, I,
1: uh, I don't think that has anything to do with it. I get your but, point. But my,
0: but I, my 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 whole scope is like how the leadership is inept. That's my point. The, the leadership from the top down continues to be inept, and I've get, I've reached the point where an aggressive retool is un is is not doable. It's not doable under this under this franchise.
1: Everything is under a microscope because they suck. Yes, that, that, and rightfully
0: that, that, so. When when something goes wrong, it has to be microanalyze
1: okay but you have to give also the flyers credit for making do and and learning from their mistakes i mean you know at the game the other night against the rangers they did give a presentation on mr sure they did invite two of his daughters to come sit in the box with valerie camilla they did the little things they are listening to the fans i you know they they're putting up an out-of-town scoreboard on the intermissions in between uh they're having you know, they don't they still have the screensaver bit, which is still nonsense. They had that going for nine minutes. And that's the loudest cheers that the Flyers had all night against the Rangers <laughs> was when that goddamn logo hit the corner. But still, they're doing things where they've turned down the music. It's not mind numbing, blowing out your eardrums loud anymore. It's it's tolerable. And they, they have listened to that to that effect. I, I think that they know they kind of have to rebuild from here like this is this is as bad as it gets like this is as bad as it gets this wasn't 06 07, where mr snyder was like this is anomaly we're going to go after it they had the mindset where they want to go after it. i think they had the tools to be able to do it i think they have the players to be able to do it but let's also when you talk about leadership and i understand your point about from the top up, they've made mistakes i think they're starting to learn from them let's hope they do let's let's really hope they do that's a huge but, thing, but my but point was- is
0: my, my point is that we're at a point when we're talking about two current employees suing the their current employer for causing an incurable and terminal disease that they've acquired allegedly from their place of work by their employees for not keeping up the standard of safety that they should come with this kind of occupation. And it's like if you can't decide. What is a safe area of work for your employees on the macro level? How on the micro level are fans and us supposed to trust you on the smaller scale to rebuild a, a team to be a suitable product on the on the ice? Because let's face it, that's less implor- important right now for the franchise. They're gonna put most of their focus on this lawsuit, if I were to guess, they'll designate. No, not I, saying char- I not saying I'm not saying Chuck Fletcher is now all of a sudden being pulled into a courtroom, but the people that are influencing on what Chuck Fletcher is able to do in terms of money, distribution, that kind of stuff, now they're focused on something that is just dropped into their lap today. And you're telling, you're try, we're trying to convince fans like, hey, we can we can retool this thing while simultaneously dealing with a pretty egregious lawsuit. Against
1: well, okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so it is an egregious lawsuit, but let's go back and see when the bid did Valerie Camillo and Dave Scott build the building.
0: No, that's a, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Mr. Snyder did back in 2000. They, they built that building. Then obviously it's an engineering flaw that nobody could have probably anticipated. This thing would have happened. Doesn't mean the flyers are at fault, but the fact that you know, matter is, is that right now you look at it and say, well, if that's the case, then someone needs to be held accountable, okay, if if they're proven guilty. But besides and by the that-
0: way, be, to, to your point, the, the lawsuit does not just include the flyers. It's a multitude of businesses and colla- collaborations of people and, and businesses and associations, LLCs, that kind of thing, that, Correct. that Jim and Sal are
1: doing I so mean, it's not just the fly engineers
0: of the building
1: plumbers yep. whatever who installed it you know that sort of thing it's there's there's a whole bunch of it that goes into it especially one of these also because you you blanket it you go after all of them and see you know it's like throwing throwing something against the wall and seeing what sticks yeah exactly the most yep. like, i don't want to dwell too much on this i you know it's a shame that jimmy mccrossen has got to go through this and sal rafi's got to go through this you know I, I i my my more of an issue is, is that that we're taking this situation and and blaming it all on leadership all the way back with bobby brink. You know what, you know what let's not take away the fact right now the Flyers just a month ago traded away their captain their captain of you know over 10 years. Um in just about 10 years. So you you've had a player for that long who has been the de facto leader. Mm-hmm. This is a situation where Yes, it might not be great leadership because you have guys who have had a losing mentality because they've been in year in and year out, have only won one playoff series. Guys like Provorov and Konechny, team that they want to get more leadership. guys. Bobby Brink has an opportunity to step up and be one of those leaders. You might have an opportunity in the off season to bring in a veteran of a leadership guy. Again, you know you go back, and I I, I know I do this a lot, and I apologize if it annoys our fan our, our fans. I go back and I reference that 06-07 season because I can absolutely see the parallels right there. Not just the record, but everything playing out with it. You traded a captain. You got some young players, decent players. You shored up what you needed to do overall. got some pieces to put together in the future. But it was the moves they made that summer that made a huge difference. Now, I'm not saying you're going to go out and be able to trade for you know a first-round pick for the rights to Scott Hart and Kimo team in it again, which they did that summer. They went on and got Danny Breer. A player like that's available in Johnny Gaudreau. Okay, so but the key acquisition that they had was Jason Smith, and then they slapped the seal on him. They trade him for Yoni Pickenen, trade him up there to Edmonton. You get Jason Smith in return. You slap the seal on him. You know why? Because it gave a young team that didn't really didn't have great leadership a voice from the outside. You gave it to a veteran guy, and gave him not just someone in the locker room. Now. I'm not saying the Flyers are going to follow suit and do the same exact thing again, but history has a tendency to repeat itself, especially in the NHL. I look at the situation and say, a lot of the stuff with the leadership stuff is overblown. They are a broken team right now. You watch them when you were in the press conferences, they just, you could just see they're, they're there physically, but mentally they're just, they, they want this to end. They want this to be done over. You yep. see the looks on guys' faces. Like, you know, it's tough on them. They're not having fun. This is really, really difficult. You think about it this way. these are professional athletes who've been good their entire lives. They've been at the top of the list. They've been the premier guys. They've been on really good teams. They've been the guys who made the team good. And now they're dead last in the league and they have no answers. So a way to fix that is to bring a voice in from the outside in the off season, a veteran who's been around the block and teach these guys how to do it the right way. Because what they did this season didn't work because of the injuries. And you decided to throw it into the, throw it into the, throw it into the bonfire. But now there's an opportunity where they have an, They can go out and make a move like that again and bring in a guy, slap the seal on them, and really change that face over. If they go internal and they go with a guy like Kevin Hayes or Scott Lawton or Sean Couturier, I'm not going to have an issue with that. But they need to bring in guys who help this team through adversity. Yeah. And that's what the leadership is talking about because these players, while they don't, they don't give up, the effort is still there, I've seen in most games. A Leadership is a different thing. It's just about basically get on my back. We're gonna to go to the promised land. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get it there. We're gonna get that. I don't know how we're gonna do it, but we're gonna do it. And I don't think there's enough of that in the room because of the way the team has been structured the last five years. In one year, out one year. You've won one playoff series in the last ten years. One, one. Okay, since since the 2012 playoff run, you have won one playoff series against Montreal. So that's why you're seeing problems with leadership and leadership being question. Yes. The organization has had some issues the past few years, but they've made changes. They, they've they've learned from their mistakes and starting to see. They're listening to the fans, knowing they need to. Even though they're selling fifteen thousand tickets, they're only getting if ten in the door. I mean, you look at against the Rangers the other night when I was there. I was looking around like there's nobody here, and it was when when the Rangers it was loud. It was like the game we went to back in January. Yeah, it was that. loud, man. Yeah. Like there were there were a lot of blue shirts there. But to wrap up what I'm saying. You know, we could go and talk circles about leadership and all this stuff about what it's, biz, but really it's that they're this team that kind of needs to look itself in the mirror. And some of these players on this team they need to look themselves in the mirror and be like, do I want to lead here, be here? Do I want to be one of these guys to push this team forward? I, they have to start asking themselves that question. I think management's gonna do it as well. So there's there's yeah, there's, I, there's solutions that just they have to figure it out.
0: Yeah, I mean, they certainly the 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 team. Fletcher, I mean, certainly knows who is the non untouchables, I guess you call them. Like, no, and, nobody's untouchable. And but, nobody's I, untouchable. but I think they, yes, fans wise, I think yes, but internally speaking, I think there are some, like you mentioned, Kevin Hayes. I think Kevin Hayes, because of his, what we've seen out of his productivity since returning from his third surgery. And still playing to a level that is pretty respectable for, as you put it, a club that is just waiting for the end of this. We have six games left. They're going on a weird little stretch here of away games, then home, then away, then home, for to close this thing out against Ottawa. And it's a very, it's a very awkward thing because it's just the East is done. I mean, we're six games left for the Flyers. A couple of here games up, give or take depending on what team you are uh, in, in, in the East. And the, the East is already set. We already have our sixteen or uh, eight teams yep. uh, while the West is still being settled. I mean, we yeah, talked just- in the pre-show about how Vegas is all of a sudden right in the hunt there for that f- second wild card. So it, it's one of those things where I think when a guy like Noah Cates that comes out and basically just says there's no swagger in the locker room there, there's obviously no the, the, the leadership isn't being presented in a way of a winning team. I think you're right. I think if this was a Noah Cates that was joining a, a Rangers team or a, a, a just any just name whoever Pittsburgh, I think if he was a, t- a player a new guy on there entering the locker room for the first time, he would be saying that not because of the because of the winning because it could be the same players that are winning. And the leadership and the and the feeling in the locker room is completely different. You're listening. Remember a couple back in I think it was the 2009. Uh, I don't think it was. It definitely wasn't 2010. The 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 um, 16 knock knocks that by uh, Mac Miller. The, the, uh, the that song was 20, that, they,
1: that was 2012. That, that was, was 20, 2012. That was, yeah, okay. 2012
0: season. Yeah. So so like that kind of thing. It, that is obviously not heard at all. Like this year, they do the starter jacket for the, mm-hmm. the player of the game yeah. uh, in, in the locker room. Like what Noah Cates is seeing is, is tough. Like I, I take some, I take most of what he's saying with a grain of salt because he's not wrong, yeah, but he's wrong in the context of a player that is entering a roster that is completely drained. They, that like we, we, like you said, they don't have a captain anymore. They're looking for that next captain. I have said there's a chance. I, I know you're talking about Jason Smith and, and what they did in 06, 07 uh, of bringing a guy from the outside. I almost venture to say, don't even name a third, a, a captain next year. Figure out what your roster is and do three captains or, excuse me, three alternatives and just go from there. Like we have discussed discussed endlessly how the captaincy is pretty. Diminished in terms of years superficial. past. It's, superficial. it's very superficial. You don't necessarily need one. It's ne- it's not abnormal to hear a franchise say, "Hey, we don't have a captain," uh, especially in, in a situation like what the Flyers are in. So, uh, look, I, I think Kevin Hayes is one of the, or excuse me, what Noah Cates is saying is not wrong. But if again, if he comes into a team that is winning and not depleted. He's not saying those comments. So he's not wrong, but he's wrong in the context of players still care. Like Kevin Hayes and Scott Lawton, oh, they, yeah. st- they still they absolutely care. still care. 100%, I, mean, you 100%. Saw, I I I meant to pull up the quote. Kevin Hayes said something along the lines of you're we're paid to be here. Like if you don't yeah. want to be here, then you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be in this league. Right. And I appreciate hearing that from a guy like Kevin Hayes, an experienced veteran, because there's at least some sensibility in that locker room still and that's why I think while we believe there's no one untouchable I agree with you there internally I'm going to say that they think they have like three or four players that are untouchable I would venture two or three two or three players that are completely untouchable that they don't want to trade unless it's something completely absurd in terms now, of That's that's package. the
1: point. That's what I'm saying is that you're not gonna look for if Edmonton offers something absurd, a package of dry settle in it for Carter Hart type deal, you're gonna look at that very, 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 very hard and make it. Yeah, decision. But you but, did it but, with two seasons
0: ago with Line again, A and Provorov. Listen, I, I I have this debate with a person a a friend a friendly coworker all the time. Like, yes, those trades are out there, those absurd trades that happen. But you can't bank on them happening, right? No, like, no, no, like not I, at like, all. Like it's to, all to, theoretical. Right, but but that's where I say that these players are untouchable because, yes, they're untouchable unless the right deal comes along, but the right deal is so astronomically stupid and one-sided that no no franchise outside of the Flyers would say yes to it. I, I'm, that, I'm not- that's like, yes, would <laughs> I trade Dreisaitl for Carter Hart tomorrow? Yes. Everyone would I, yeah, say all right. yes.
1: now, now, now we're getting, we're, you're, you're talking semantics here. Okay. Yes, I, know, I understand the like, point you're trying to make. Yeah. I, I That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm just saying from a stat from saying that there at some point might be a hockey trade. That's a shakeup yes. like that. And you'll see a high. And I think it could be, I don't think there's anybody on this team who has earned the right to be untouchable. And, and while the respect to Carter, yeah, I don't think I they agree either. You. And I think that they have, I think, I don't believe there are concerns of him per se, but it's not like we're yeah. going to build the entire franchise around They don't have that player. They don't have a franchise building player like a Connor McDavid, like you know, an Alexander Ovechkin, a Sidney Crosby. Yeah, because they
0: don't have a goal scorer. Well, they,
1: it's that's not just that. It's yeah, not just but like but they, that's they don't have it. a they don't have a franchise player. They don't. That's the only one you would consider untouchable, and the one that we thought was untouchable got traded this year. So, for yeah. many people, thought that it was untouchable. So that's that's the key that i'm looking at with this is that i think there could be some big blockbuster moves that are gonna make you look at some of the trades that happen billy holy shit that's a big deal but the league needs to get back to that i've always maintained the fact there's not enough player in the movement to keep fans interested and you need a oh my god that's a really exciting move oh they're back type deal like that's that's what you need, but it's very hard to navigate in the salary. What cap was world. the last one? It, tango.
0: I think it's obvious what the last big, like, holy shit, I can't believe they did that trade was for the Flyers. I think it's obvious, but what, what would you say it is?
1: Last one that I was like, oh my God, they made that move. Are you talking just for assets in general? You're talking like hockey trades?
0: Just hockey trades, yeah.
1: I'd say probably Carter and Richards.
0: Okay, see, I, I go back, yeah, but I but you see the difference that I, the, the reason I would say pronger more than them is because pronger was a I holy put
1: sh- you over the top. Exactly. exactly. And I remember Carter exactly and Richards was, I was a teardown. I will never forget exactly where I was when, when I, I the pronger trade.
0: I, so I'll let you go. Uh, I'll let you go, but I'll, I'll say I didn't, it didn't hit me what it meant that pronger was on this team until I was at a A Canadian concert at at Festival Pier in Philadelphia. Some Canadian band was opening up, and it was very odd. It was uh, Billy Talent.
1: Oh, Billy Talent's
0: awesome! Yes, so I I I saw Turn Your
1: Backs, one of the better songs I've heard. It was right around that time.
0: Yeah, Billy Talent and Rise Against, and there was a third band. Two great uh, bands. At at it was July twenty fifth, two thousand and nine. Uh, yeah. Because it was the oh nine the it's it was july twenty fifth. Yeah. Uh, Dude, I was I was, like, I was
1: I was like half a mile away from you when I had when I heard that. I was probably, there, yeah you know, I, I wasn't at that concert, but I was driving back to Temple. I was still at the time around Temple's facility. So like um I, I had graduated by that point, but I'm driving back through Temple, and I'll never forget I'm approaching Cecil B and I'm like, oh my and then they said we have a major trade, like the flash acquired first prong. I'm like, what for, and I'm thinking, I don't care who it was for. And I heard the hall and I'm like, that's a big haul, But I'm like, that's a guy who wins you the Stanley cup. That's how you know that you're ready. That's when you, that's yep. like, Oh my God. Like that's, that's a, that's a big, big move. You know, before that, they had made some other moves. They had traded the first-round pick for, you know, to the rights. The first-round pick they traded, they got from Nashville for Peter Forsberg. They traded back to Nashville for the rights to Scott Hartnell and Kimo Timonen. and signed them both, like the six-year deals. And they got Danny Briere that same day. Then they went out and got Jason Smith, and they retooled that whole thing. And that was super, super exciting because you're like, it's different. They have Marty Biron in goal. They have Braden Coburn with Kimo Timon and on defense. That, that move there because they didn't do anything the following year. They right. ran it back basically, and then in 2009, 2010, they go out and get Ray Emery. Unfortunately, got hurt, brought back Bush. They brought in Pronger. And when I want, when whenever they brought in Pronger, I'm like, oh my god, that is the move. I mean, think about that offseason too. They brought in Joffrey Lupel also. That's yep. 0-7-0-8 season. So, yep. before that season, so they made a lot of big moves, and I think that so. It's possible that, that something like that could happen again where you'll see some players in and out to really shake it up around here. I think it's what the franchise needs to really get people energized.
0: Yes, but is there a player out there that is a not a pronger esque, but an excitement level to a pronger? And I don't like I I just I don't see it, especially because I, I don't the assets that the Flyers have are suddenly pretty diminished. Like, yeah, the Noah Cates is of the world who just recorded his first. Multi point game as a flyer in the and professional level for the in the NHL. Uh, Felix Santrum, I think, looks pretty decent. And now that he's stepping in the role of backing up Jonesy, um, temporarily and is making a good case, I would say, to be the backup for Carter Hart next year, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, being a, young, a very young tandem in terms of Carter and Felix, like I, there's no exciting asset that I think you can say, yeah, we can let this go. We just need to blow these guys up to fill a need to get the fans excited again, like what Pronger did. Cause a Pronger put you over, like we said, put you over the top and you were like, Oh my God, we're, we're exciting again. It's a, and, and that was it. I don't see that hall being achievable with what you have in the cupboard, as we say.
1: Well, I don't know what exactly it's going to take i think it's going to be more a hockey trade for a team like this like you'd have to pony up a guy like connect you you have to pony up a guy like yeah. rov you know if you get a lottery pick here and you have an option to get shane right you might want to look at that as well i mean obviously you're probably going to want to take the younger player and shane right if you have an opportunity to get them but that's the thing and i think the key is what you have to do is you have to look at the teams that are really going to look into salary cap trouble next year and analyze their roster and see exactly where they're at and yep. what teams can afford to give up a, a superstar? I mean, no. The, the problem is the league doesn't move around superstars enough. You don't yep. see enough of these exciting hockey trades enough. You see, like, guys, like, you know, like, top six guys that people may not know about. You're not on the, you're not on the radar. You don't – once every couple of years, you see a big, huge move like when the Flyers did the offer sheet for Shea Weber. That was a huge deal, even though Nashville matched it. That's a good the, point, the, yeah. The, I mean, the I, Suter and, and, and Parise signings, that was that whole summer. That was the summer the Flyers went out, and they went out and got uh, Vinny Cavalier, even though that didn't work out very well. did not work out very well, yeah. no. Yeah, they, they made the move. Um, you, you have to kind of look at teams that are going to have some issues salary cap-wise to see what they have available and see how close they are. If they're not close, I you don't know, like the situation with the Flyers. You could potentially have a Claude Giroux available where you're going to make a move for him in the offseason that's going to take yeah. a bigger haul. That's possible. You have to uh, look into it a little further. Well, right? we, we
0: remember to, just it's off offseason ago, we were talking about how you could take advantage of Toronto's cap space hell and try and get a oh, Niederreiter yeah. or someone like that off their books and just take advantage. Of, and looking back, and, and honestly, even look at – um, uh, why am I blanking on the guy from – Patrick Line Like, the, the Patrick Line move yeah. – that that ultimately what sent him to Columbus, whatever Columbus or whatever Winnipeg was asking for that Fletcher felt wasn't a fair value mm-hmm. hindsight's always 2020, 20, but you, he, whatever it was, you had to pull it. Cause I think Provorov was in that discussion. If I'm not mistaken, Provorov yeah. Provorov was in, was, a, was a packet, was a piece of that trade that Winnipeg wanted again, hindsight, It's always 2020. I you you probably would have done it now, but obviously too late.
1: Look, you got to look at some point. Are the Leafs going to have to give up willing Nylander at some point? Are they going to have to move him? Are they going to move Marner? I mean, Matthews, when his contract's up, they're going to do whatever they can to re-sign him in a couple of years. But I mean, he might that might be a big prize at that time. But you're also – you have to look around and kind of see what player could really get people energized. I mean, what would it be? You, you can go off a namesake like a Vinny Cavalier, You see how well that worked out. Yeah. Or you can go and you can make
0: small but moves. But that's also places. the MO of the Flyers. Well, past Flyers. Like Ed yeah. Snyder and Paul Holmgren and Bill Barber and and, 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 and all of these guys, their guy they're, – it was almost not to draw a comparison. I don't, want our, I don't want you or any of our listeners to hate me but it was almost Yankee-esque. You wanted <laughs> to sign the big name free agent mm-hmm. to just get them in the building and just worry about it later, especially yeah. because back in the day, there was no salary cap in the NHL, no hard salary cap like we deal with now, right. so you figured it out. You just right. signed the guy, and you were just like, whatever. It's our. It's my money. It's Snyder's money. I don't care. Yeah. But now that we're in a post-lockout, the second lockout world where the there's salary caps are, uh, here, and that's what it is, the Flyers were well behind the eight ball in trying to adapt on what they, how they wanted to build their team. And that was a little bit of it Snyder's fault. And it was certainly uh, a post Ed Snyder fault because they had no plan and it was very corporate esque instead of anything of, of note. And that's the problem. That's where it's, it's very tough where it seems like the vision that we want in terms of the Flyers rebuild acquiesced to 06, 07, 2010 with the Pronger trade or 20, no, 2009 with the uh, Pronger trade and so forth and the Richards trade. It doesn't seem like that is the bold statement they want to make. We'll see like the key, TKs of the world moved potentially, but I don't think it's for the big name athlete or the big star that we're anticipating it to be. And that's where going back to how this whole thing started with, with the lawsuits against the team by Jim and Sal or yeah, Jim and Sal, it seems like the leadership is being hindered by is going to be hindered by these moves and they have every right to sue but again it's why i believe at this point it's burn it down get rid of every piece of rot that you can find in this organization and there is too much rot to 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 build a foundation that's really what it's about there's too much rot to build a foundation we can't build this house because because of uh, how poor the uh, the foundation has been
1: it's i don't know man like i'll be honest with you at the end of the day this franchise has a lot of work back to do to earn the trust back of its fans that's yeah exactly and and, and you can see that night in and night out by the attendance figures not the tickets sold but the attendance figures i've talked to people who have put their tickets down for both 15 bucks and they can't sell them and these are lower level seats and i'm like that's how bad it is. I mean, there yeah. were some. There were. I was at one game a few weeks ago where I. I think it might have actually been Columbus when I was looking around. Like, there's nobody in some sections here. Like sections, they were empty. Yeah. On the second bowl, like.
0: Meanwhile, yeah. I had have the Sixers game on as we're recording this, and it's obviously a packed house, and, and it's the yeah. playoffs, and everyone's excited, and it's right. the exact same building, the exact same building, the same amount of fans plus some because obviously you have more space than the NBA uh, setup compared to the NHL. But it's still to your point. It's not COVID. It's not the mask mandate. There's still people in these stands. Right. And there's nobody in the stands at the Flyers games because yep. of how poor the product has become. Yep. So their work is cut out, cut out for them. And there's no reason that this this team should be trusted. From yeah. Fletcher to Dave Scott to Valerie Camilla to Kevin Hayes and, and Scott Lawton and, and that bunch. Because... Honestly, the most honest person about it has been Mike Yo, yeah, Mike Yo, who's not going to be the coach next year, fair likely, or not,
1: likely not.
0: Is the most forward speaking guy about this whole thing.
1: He's straightforward. There's no cut, I mean, cutting the muster with that guy. He tells no. exactly how it is.
0: And you've and, so. and if you missed it, I mean, you got a question to him yeah. at the at the last game against. It wasn't Buffalo. Buffalo was this. No, speaker.
1: no, it was against the after the Rangers.
0: That's right yeah I, they, I, I, so and, and there was a
1: report that came out that carter hart might be out the rest of the season he said it in his press conference earlier that he might be out the season i just asked him if he's gonna you know get see uh, split time with martin jones or get a good look at either one of them so and uh yeah so basically he's gonna need two guys down the stretch so you know that's i it
0: i like it, it, we're at a, it there's no point it's similar to what we were uh, fortunately with kevin hayes it worked out because of the degree of what the injury had become, it went from core to then a blood infection right. uh, and that they were able to, to figure out. And, but similar to uh, Ryan Ellis and, and uh, Nate Thompson and these kind of injuries, there's no point in these guys coming back. And the, the guys like C- Carter Hart and Nate Thompson and Ryan Ellis, who uh, at some point did they, they, we don't even know if he's had surgery yet.
1: Uh, they, there was. Or did they
0: announce it? They,
1: they look. There was. I would say this. There's things that I have heard as far as um, a potential hip. just from what I what I oh heard, read, read and understand okay. and stuff. Like I'm I'm not I'm not here to say I know inside sources or anything. It was just things that I have heard. See um, that's know, scary. no, no, nobody's nobody's heard what's going on with the whole thing. So I mean, hip that's, it, that's it, a...
0: there, there's like three injuries that scare the hell out of me the most in, in hockey, and I think it, it transcends sports, mm-hmm. honestly.
1: Hip, hip isn't bad unless you're a goalie. It, if you're a goalie, hip's yeah, a but
0: problem. It, it, the three that are up there are foot injury, depending on how it breaks, because the because uh, as, as as I said, I'm watching the Sixers, so Joel Embiid,
1: mm-hmm.
0: any type of back injury. When you hear back, and I know we talked about um, who had a back. It was it Carter Hard? No,
1: it was Katurier. Oh, Couturier, Couturier right? Couturier. That's why he's out for this season. Yep.
0: Uh, Couturier, who's on a long-term deal, and that scares yeah. the crap out of me. And he's then obviously again,
1: he's fine. He'll be. Fine. Yeah, he
0: looks. I will say Charlie O'Connor has put out a lot of quite a few videos of him uh, out in his pregame skate and Jordan Hall yep. and, and the like, yep. and he looks yep. pretty good. So I yep. anticipate him to be back. Yeah. uh but and then hip i i there's something about those three injuries that just that it it, it seems like they can i know you you were talking about the the uh, Again, I
1: can't confirm. It's nothing more than just what I've heard. I can't confirm anything along those lines. Sure,
0: and we'll find out in the weeks to come. I mean, we have six games, six merciful games left in this godforsaken season. Yeah, two I'm sure home Fletcher games.
1: Fletcher might say something after the season. Yeah, Hopefully. exactly. If, That's what I. If, that was if that, not. Yeah. If he doesn't, I'd be more concerned. Like, okay, this is something big going on here. But like, yeah, wonder like, how do you miss an entire season if it's something along like a like that type of injury, like what kind of injury can do that? And it's been completely mum. That's that, that's the part that has me. And
0: look, and, and that's the funny thing too, or, or the odd thing too, because like, let's not be like, we just got into this, into the press row, like the, the, the beat right. reporters and the, and the podcast reporters like Anthony Sanfilippo, like Charlie O'Connor and, and Jordan Hall, they have been digging at this story, trying to get answers on what exactly is wrong with Ryan Ellis. And how quiet they have been and mum that nobody knows what's going on is very concerning. So to your point, like if, they, if we hear nothing on whatever it is, May 1st or whenever he decides to t- speak to the media,
1: yeah.
0: and we get nothing, and you're locked into Ryan Ellis for next couple of years here, that's very concerning, especially because well, you gave up a first-round pick for him. You can try and recoup it. You can try and use that Florida pick that you got in the Giroux deal as a piece to get recoup something. But nothing's guaranteed, as we always say on this show. You need two to tango. If you don't have another trade partner, you're stuck with that that kind of falsified first round pick that you got from Florida, unless something big happens. And that's it's obviously not guaranteed. That's what's scary.
1: Possibly. Really good news is you'd have the cap space to do something with it because you just yeah. put them in LTIR. So yeah, been bad with everything at this point. I think we just have to kind of wait and see what Fletcher says at the end of the season if they say anything. Hopefully they do. It'd be nice to know that's for
0: sure. Yeah. All right, that is going to do it. Episode one hundred and twelve. Hey, but let's finish off with this uh, NHL news. The Washington Capitals they're bringing back the Screaming Eagle logo for love next it. season, I and love I it. love it. I, I think love that it. I don't mind their red jersey that they've they they've brought out the last couple of years. But man, there nothing beats the old even Ovechkin. I did for some reason. I did, can't conceptualize how time works anymore. Like Alex Ovechkin, his first couple of years, he was wearing the screaming eagle uh, in Washington. So I mean, that's well, a classic.
1: They went to it in the early '90s. I know that. They, if they want to say yeah. like '93, '94, they went to it from the old, from the old colors that they had. Now they yes. went all the way up to 07, 08 where they went to those red and white jerseys when they when everybody switched over to the Reebok Edge jerseys. Yep. That's when they moved over to the red and blue ones again. It was a good throwback for them. It kind of revitalized them. You know, they were a routine that was coming up. They had a Vetchkin. It was a new look for them. But if they're going back with the reverse retro program, I love that. I yep. love bringing back those old jerseys. Like. I still, I still have a Carter Hart reverse retro. I think it's sick, and I just picked up a Pelly Lindbergh not too long ago as well. Oh, so I nice. got a Pelly Lindbergh jersey. So, um, you know what? Maybe the Flyers think about this too. Maybe it's time for them to change up their jerseys because you know what? It's been the same thing since two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yeah, and it, it, they they need a refresh. I, I and really, really all to the- go back to the nineties once.
0: Yeah, because all they did was just they took the original Winter Classic that they did against Boston and Mm kind of touched up on it a little bit and just made it their permanent jersey.
1: Yeah, they reversed them. They reversed the colors because really there's only black on the wrists, and then there's everything else is just orange and white or orange. Yeah, and that's all there really is to it. It's kind of – I know it's a homage to what the original jerseys are, but it's time to change them up. Let's go back to what we had in, like, the 90s where you had the white up top and then the black line and then the orange sweater – or the home jerseys which by the way i want to get into another point i want to see if people are sick and tired of seeing the color jerseys at home i i i I think think it's time to switch it up a little bit and let's get back to using the dark jerseys on the road and the white jerseys at home
0: interesting i like that take that's a good off-season discussion let's let's talk let's shoulder that that. yeah let's let's, put let's let's put
1: put a poll on on twitter about that for next week
0: yeah Awesome, all right, episode 112 of Orange and Backcheck. Our prayers and thoughts are with Sal and Jim, uh, the trainers. Uh, whatever happens, we're sorry this happened to you. Our, our thoughts are with you and your family. Thank you so much for all your service. I mean, you guys are a staple uh, for this franchise. Uh, you're very known throughout the organization and the fan base. So we thank you for everything you've done. We hope you get better uh, the best possible way you can. Good luck. Thank you so much for listening. Episode 112. Subscribe to us as always, Orange of Backcheck on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Obackcheck on Twitter, Orange of Backcheck podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Uh, Kenny Howard here. Rode the elevator with Scott last week. Was giving him the dirty look the whole time.